Welcome to the Benton Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. We're excited you've joined us as we hear what God has to say to us through Scripture and this message from Pastor Paul. We are going into a time with God's Word that's leading us to 1 Peter chapter 3 again. But before we get to that passage, which you'll see in just a second, one of the things you notice when you look around creation is that God loves a variety of things, meaning God is not into making everything look alike. We're all different. None of us is exactly alike. Now, God could have made us exactly alike, but He didn't. And nowhere does that show up more than in our relationships, especially our marriages. Before you got married, all you could see was how much you had in common with that other person. And once you've been married for a while, it's a whole different story. (laughs) Now you're thinking, what did we ever have in common? They say opposites attract. Well, in marriage, sometimes opposites attack. All those things you thought were so cute when you were dating, now get on your last nerve. (laughs) The Bible says, and you're going to hear it from Peter in just a sec, be like-minded. It's another way of saying act like you're on the same team. And fortunately, Peter tells us how to do that. He's going to give us five secrets, if, it, as, if you could think of it that way, five ingredients, five attitudes, as if to say, if you build these into your life with all of your relationships, the conflicts in those relationships would be greatly reduced. Now, obviously, if you live around people any length of time, you're going to have conflicts. So Peter says, put these five things into practice. Incorporate these five attitudes into your life, and you'll find that your relationships dramatically improve. The relationships with your spouse, with your children, with your parents, with your coworkers, with your friends. We're in the middle of Peter's New Testament letter, the first one. And it's about living life God's way. You might think of it as as living with kingdom values in mind, not cultural values. So here we go with today's text. Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you are called so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil, their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and His ears are attentive to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Peter is starting by telling us to be like-minded. Again, there's a translation that says, have unity in spirit. Unity, a unit. Again, act like you're on the same team. And then Peter's going to tell us how to do that. And here are the five attitudes, beginning with, number one, be sympathetic. What does it mean to be sympathetic? Well, some of the synonyms for sympathy are compassion, 
caring, kindness. It's about being moved by the cares and problems of another person. It's about forgetting yourself for the moment and being with that other person, identifying with them. It's not about devaluing yourself. It's not thinking that you don't matter or that you have no worth. But it's about yielding to the needs of another. So it's not thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking of yourself less. You can't do that. If at the first sign of trouble in a relationship, your go-to is, I'm done, I'm out. Some of you have heard my personal take on divorce and remarriage. It's taken me 37 years to get Lori to this point. I don't have energy to start over again. It was wonderful that she was here at the early service, but she had a mask on, so I couldn't really see what she was thinking. I will find out. She may be watching this again. At the first sign of trouble, having sympathy means you realize everyone, everyone is fallible. Everyone you meet is a sinner. So it's about commitment. Commitment that no matter how rough and rugged the times become, it's you saying, I'll be here. It's learning how to stand alongside your husband, your wife, your child, whomever. That's sympathy. The second attitude to cultivate, Peter says, is to love one another. As we are committed to this relationship, it is about being on the same team. We're in the same family. We're here in this together. This is a very important ingredient to reduce the conflicts in your relationships. Because when I get irritated, whether it's with my wife or my, or my kids or anybody, the tendency can be, if I'm not careful, to all of a sudden focus on the problem and neglect the relationship. And before long, if all you do is focus on the problem and not the value of the other person, what's going to happen is you start seeing each other as enemies. They're not the enemy. They're your spouse or your friend or your parent or whatever. Remember, you're on the same team. Now, what if you're not on the same team? You may say, you don't know the hurts, the wrongs that have been committed against me by the people I'm supposed to love and be loved by. What about them? First and foremost, you pray. Pray for them. Pray for their change of heart and pray for the role that you can play in helping their heart to change. If the divide is between you and your spouse, have the two of you prayed for each other and then have you prayed together. Have the two of you sought Christian counseling to help. Obviously, it takes two people to, to make this work. But what if the conflict is between you and your parents? The Bible says, honor your father and mother. You say, well, how can I honor them? They've been horrible parents. You continue to pray for them and you respect them. That doesn't mean you go along with everything that's immoral or illegal, but you let them see God at work in you. Let me reiterate what I said just a few moments ago. I may differ with you. I may be irritated with you. I may get angry or upset and totally disagreeing with what you think. But don't doubt about my commitment to this relationship, especially if we're talking marriage. 
I'm not walking out on it. I'm not walking out on us, no matter what happens. Now, I can't say that of my own strength. I can only say that as the Holy Spirit empowers me. I can only say that as the Holy Spirit allows me to take my vows seriously. The third secret to a good relationship, Peter says, is be compassionate. Now, as I stated, when we looked at the first word, sympathy, sympathy and compassion are closely related. They seem to be synonyms for each other. So what I want to do is take this word, compassion, to a new level and think of it and define compassion as love in action. So there are two ways primarily to show compassion, to show love in action in your relationships. Number one is by what you say to other people. The Apostle Paul writes to the church at Ephesus and he says this, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. Does that characterize your speech? Words that build each other up, words that make the other feel encouraged. The Bible says that we show compassion by the words we say to each other, and a part of that is choosing the right time and the right setting to even say the difficult words that need to be said, because what you say and how you say it matters. So that's the first way to show compassion. To show love in action is by the things that we say. The second way is by the things that we do, how we act toward one another. It's about being helpful and lending a hand rather than being selfish in our relationships. Number four, Peter says another way to be like-minded in our relationships is to be humble. We learn very quickly every time there's a conflict that pride is somewhere involved. Somewhere there is pride and selfishness and stubbornness, and it may come from you. So what is humility then in the midst of all this? It's about being honest with my weaknesses, my needs, my failures. It's not assuming that I know it all or even know what every bit of what you're thinking and feeling. Being humble also is about being willing to admit a mistake. So if I'm humble, I'm going to say those three difficult words. I was wrong. Sometimes those are, they kind of get stuck right in there and they don't come out really easily. And if I'm being humble, I can also put together those other two difficult words, forgive me. Sometimes they're as hard to say as I was wrong. But what makes them easier to say is when I remember how much God has graced my life and because He has forgiven me, I can offer forgiveness and even say, I'm sorry. I was wrong. And then I can stop demanding perfection because perfection is not going to happen in your relationships. And then finally, for number five, we're going to return to Peter and verse nine to pick back up with that. It also happened to be the one that Melanie honed in on for the children's time. Peter writes, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to this you are called so that you may inherit a blessing. 
you hurt each other deeply, lots of times. And because of that, here's number five. Massive doses of mercy are needed, required to get back on track. When you've been hurt deeply, there's all this emotional energy that's stirred up. And I have a choice to either use all that emotional energy for retaliation, like I'm going to stick it to them good, or I can choose to take all that emotional energy and use it for resolution. Retaliation or resolution. This verse 9 says to pay back evil with a blessing. How do you repay someone with a blessing who's sitting there hurling angry words at you? How do you give them back a blessing? For most of us, our prayer at that moment would be, God, I don't want to bless them. I want to knock them upside the head and I want to throw things in Jesus' name. Amen. (laughs) When we remember that this is about God's way, the kingdom values instead of the world's values in our way. You see, the world's way is to get even. God's way is this. Bear with each other. Forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. And then this last line, forgive as the Lord forgave you. There have been times when mercy and forgiveness seem impossible. Because knowing each other so well, you're also able to wound each other so deeply. Sometimes so much that it just cuts to the core. And, and you will say things to each other that attacks the other person. Maybe their talents and accomplishments and even their worth as a person. And there have been times, perhaps in the midst of that argument, where you've looked at each other and you've said, if not, even, if not just thought, you've also said... That's it. That's too much. That hurts too deeply. I can't forgive. I hope it's at that moment that you hear God speaking to your heart. And God says, Paul, Jim, Sally, know that you will never have to forgive another person as much as I've already forgiven you. 1 Corinthians 13 reminds us, That love keeps no record of wrongs. Some of you not only keep a record, you've got a mental storehouse. And every wrong that your spouse has ever committed against you has been been categorized, cataloged, named, and ready to be pulled out at a moment's notice when the argument so desires. You know the old adage, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's not true, is it? Words will hurt much deeper than physical things. You can break a bone and in six weeks or so it's healed. But some of you may be holding on to things that were said to you in 1995. Because emotional hurts last longer than physical hurts. That's why words are so important. You see, your words have power. They have power to build up or tear down. They have power to delight or destroy, to encourage or discourage. You can either support and supplement and enhance, or you can damage, destroy, and ruin just by your words. Here's the big idea. Those five attitudes are marks of maturity. 
Maturity is when your concern for another person is as great as your concern for yourself. So how do you know when you've reached that point where you are mature emotionally? Are you being sympathetic, loving, humble, compassionate, full of mercy? None of us can do those things perfectly. We can't even take one of those and be on board 100% of the time, not of our own strength. That's why we need a Savior. And that's what Jesus has provided for us. Because of Jesus Christ's death on the cross in our place for our sins, we get to move in toward relationships that are more whole living life God's way from a kingdom values. And He empowers us. His Holy Spirit is now present in your life, enabling you to be sympathetic, loving, compassionate, humble, full of mercy. God made us all differently, and He did it with a purpose. No single one of us, then, has the total picture and perspective of life. That's because we need each other. God made it that way. And as much as you would like to think that you got it all figured out, you don't, and neither do I. So God wants us to use our differences to enrich each other, not to divide each other. We hope you found this message to be encouraging. We'd love for you to join us on Sunday mornings. Find us on Facebook and Instagram and at bhprez.org for more information.